Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Good evening. For those of you uh, who are here this morning, I asked you the question, what came to mind when I went, mentioned the word Balkans and that area of Europe? I think the truth is, for many of us, myself included, our knowledge of that area is limited. I think, in fact, in a context like this, it's often arguable that many of us know more about Africa or certain countries in the continent of Africa, or maybe Asia or South America, than we do about the countries that are literally just a couple of hours whiz air. Yes, that's the name of Hungary's budget airline. A couple of hours flight away. The Balkans are on our doorstep, folks. They're so close. And yet, in terms of our understanding of them, our partners tell us that we seem quite distant. Just a little map of the area. I'm sure most of the countries you are aware of, they've been in the news. Often it's not for good reasons, but this is a beautiful part with beautiful people in our continent. There's a game, I don't know whether you've come across it, it's a game called Where is Moldova? Because many people don't know where it is, but there it is, stuck up the top right of the Balkan Peninsula. So this morning I quoted Paddy Ashdown, who described the Balkans as the sinker state of Europe. Why was that? What's going on there? What are the challenges that these folk face that 10 work alongside. And I want to tell perhaps the story or some of the story of the Balkans in terms of the challenges through one country's eyes, and that's Moldova. And I want to say up front, I'm using some research that was conducted by Moldovans that was shared with us. Information that they have told us, and that you may have picked up some of this in the news. There are challenges around corruption. A few years ago, Moldovan banks stole $1 billion from their own people. Now, in any country, that's a lot of money. In Moldova, that's 20%, uh, 12% rather, of the GDP. That's a country that the average income is 10% of our incomes. The banks stole money from their own people, which made something that you take for granted and I take for granted, getting cash out at the bank, basically impossible. In Moldova, a country of about 4 million people, up to 1 million of the working population leave the country to find work. Can you imagine that in Northern Ireland? 25% of the population leaving to find work. What does that do to an economy? What does that do to the self-esteem of a country? Throw into the mix that these people are often parents and there's a big impact on families and children. 
This is a country where there are many social orphans. Our friends at Beginning of Life in Moldova tell us about 170,000. Again, that's about 20% of the population in terms of the children. A country where the banks steal from their own people. A country where much of the talent leaves to find work. And a country where children are left to be raised by extended family. Our friend Sergei Mikhailov from Beginning of Life Ministry in Moldova, he asked us the question at a recent conference that we held for our supporters in the UK. He said, what does that do to a country's identity? How does that impact a country's capacity for creativity? What does that do for its hope for the future? The challenges aren't the same everywhere, but some of these things will be seen in the countries that Ten works in, where our partners serve God faithfully. Sergei was very honest with us at our conference. He said, you in the West, you don't really understand our country. And like our speaker last night, Eric, it was sobering to hear that challenge. Are there any church leaders or church treasurers here? I'm guessing there are. I won't ask you to raise your hands. But I want you to imagine for a moment that your congregation has 90 to 100% unemployment. What does that do to your capacity to get out there and engage in ministry? It presents challenges. Not challenges that can't be overcome. These people are overcoming them. We don't need to feel sorry for them. But I want us to understand something of the context. You may have seen a picture like this at school. These brave cavemen fighting a mammoth. Our friend Sergei told me that there are three main mammoths that the people of the Balkans have faced over many years, and they're up there. The Ottoman Empire, it's not existed for about 100 years, but still has an influence, sucked all the resources out of the countries that it ruled. The Orthodox Church, and I want to caveat this by saying at a local level, often our partners get on well with the priests, but at an institutional level, the church, the state church, still demands adherence to traditions. Priests hold such power that to set up a business or to plant a church in a town has to be in agreement with both the mayor and the priest. Adherence to tradition is paramount. And communism. Communism that told the people the party will provide. That told the people the party will provide you with a job, with a place to live. You don't need to think. We'll do it for you. Sergei asked us, he says, what does that do to a people? What does that do to the social and cultural DNA? He said often people in the West will say to him, well, why don't you just sort of get on with it and do stuff? He said people who ask that question just don't understand the power that these forces have had on them. But it's encouraging. Last year, 
Bulgaria, the churches in Bulgaria were threatened by challenges. And they faced these mammoths too, to the freedom of religion. And you may have seen this in the news. It just about creeped into some newspapers. But there was legislation that was likely to curb the freedom of Christians and churches in these countries, in Bulgaria in particular. But the church in Bulgaria stood up against it, called many people, and I'm sure others who work in Europe, like ECM and EMF, as well as 10, to pray for this country. And God changed the hearts of the politicians, and the legislation didn't make it through. Praise God. Ten was founded many years ago by a chap called Dave Foster. He's one of those Christian heroes that probably most of you haven't heard of. But a man who saw potential, who saw what God was doing, and who went beyond the Iron Curtain to work with partners, to work with friends, to work with brothers and sisters in countries not that far away. At 10, as I was introduced by David, we work to serve the local church, to come alongside. We don't send missionaries. We do send teams. We do link up UK churches with churches in these countries, but we don't send long-term missionaries. We support the long-term missionaries who live in the country, the first culture people. God is doing amazing things, and I want to share just a few stories with you. First one is just to mention again this project beginning of life. In Moldova, over 30,000 women have simply disappeared. Can you imagine that? I mean, can you imagine that happening in our country? It'd be absolute outcry. The papers would be on it. But they've disappeared without a trace. At the beginning of life, they are seeking to work with women who've disappeared because of the trafficking, the sex trafficking trade. And they're looking to bring restoration and hope. And you know what's really encouraging? In the country that is probably the poorest country in Europe, not only are they bringing hope and seeing lives change, but they're training others to do this work too. They're resourcing other countries so that they can impact the lives of these most vulnerable of people. We don't need to feel sorry for our brothers and sisters in Moldova, but we do sometimes need to walk alongside them, pray for them, resource them. I recently visited Serbia. Serbia, certainly during the wars, was seen as the bad boy, the aggressor in those wars by the West. It suffered greatly. But during those wars, Ten had a couple of partners, a husband and wife called Danny and Vera, who though they could live in Canada, chose to go and live back in Serbia during the war. They planted churches and continue to be involved in that, but the thing they're focused on now is rehab work. There are many addicts in Serbia, as there are in lots of countries. And they believe God has called them to show love, but also share Jesus 
share the gospel with these folk. I was out there and I was listening to the stories of these guys and I couldn't help but be moved. I was in tears. And one chat really struck me about how Jesus had changed his life. His name was Yosip. Yosip is 37. He has a family. He turned up seven months earlier at the rehab center, desperate, thinking the only way to get out of this was to end his own life. He met Jesus. He had great rehab. He got free of his addiction. But during that time, he also had his past catch up with him and was sentenced to prison in Serbia. Prison's not a nice place anywhere. I've visited a few in this country. I've never visited a Serbian prison, but I'm told they're not particularly pretty. But you know what struck me was the peace that Josip had about going into prison. He knew he had to serve his time, and he saw it as an opportunity to be Jesus in that place. That's why we come alongside folk in this country's, because God is at work in them and through them. On another visit to Romania, I met a Roma pastor. The Roma people are the most marginalized people in Europe, without doubt. I went to a village where there was one tap for the whole village. I mean, that's a European Union country. But God is doing amazing things among the Roma. Let me encourage you. God is bringing revival among the most marginalized people in our continent. Gavril's planted about 30 churches. He's pastor currently of three. And you saw him briefly on that film, baptizing 30 people. I haven't been to a church in this country for a while where they baptize 30 people on one day. It's amazing. In Bulgaria, recently, Roma communities built a church for 1,500 people. God is at work among the least in our continent. I was on the phone the other day to our connection in North Macedonia, the head of the evangelical church there, a chap called Mercha. And Mercha's vision and the vision of the church there is to plant 100 churches. You know, if your heart is for church planting, then... I'd love it if you were interested in helping these guys. They're at 30. They've got about 11 more in the offing. God is at work on our doorstep. Just a budget line flight away. So what's our response? I want to say this. And this message has been loud and clear, hasn't it, this week? God says go. It's that simple. God says go. I'm going to read these words from Genesis. The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I'll show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. God says go. When the people of God forget to be a going people, we lose sight of what it is to be the people of God. Can I encourage you, as Christians in Northern Ireland, as someone who comes from England, perhaps a nation that's 15, 20 years ahead of you in terms of spiritual decline, that many in our nation, in England I'm talking about, have forgotten what it is to be the people of God. They've forgotten to go. Can I urge you, as the people of God in Northern Ireland, don't lose sight of that heart. Don't let go of that missionary zeal that is rooted here in this very town. Those folk who went out hundreds of years ago from Bangor Abbey. 
please continue to go. Whether you go to London, whether you go to, I don't know, the street corner, whether you go to Albania, whether you go to Africa, it doesn't really matter. Be a people who go because that's what we're called to be. And we love to see that at 10. God's people are called to be a people who go. Europe is on our doorstep. Whatever's going on politically, as we were reminded this morning by Don Carson, whatever's going on with secularism, these are things that come and go, but we need to be the people who continue to go, whatever's going on. We're called to go to people on our doorstep. Thank you for listening. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.